I've I've got the uh, I've got the title for uh, for Tim for it's got to be Don Granado question mark like an anchorman <laughs> reads what's ever on the cards. All right, I'm gonna record that one again with the right words because it definitely says Don Granado there. <laughs> Fabulous. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. All right, welcome to episode 25 of season four of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tim Hawk, Tech Hockey Guide. Uh, Tim Brown, our usual host, is out on vacation today, somewhere swimming, warm, wave pool. I don't know what he's up to. Uh, so I'm going to host today, Rob Gillerith, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. And Matt Cavender. Hello, everybody. So this week, following uh, the CCHA semifinal loss to Northern, uh, we'll discuss the game a little bit, preview the CCHA championship. Uh, but our biggest discussion here will be around the, the pairwise rankings and kind of the implications of last weekend's. And Dustin will try to figure out where we might go, where we might not go, and we'll have a little discussion on that. And maybe talk a little bit about the the all-rookie team and what we think, uh, what's come out there today. Then because we had a few great discussions the last couple of weeks, we're actually going to take some of those discussions we cut for time uh, with Don Lucia and, and Tim Rapoli and, and play those out for you guys. So. All right. Uh, before we get started, I want to recognize a new patron. Ted Guest uh, signed up over the weekend at the white level of $2 a month. Uh, thanks, Ted, for your support. And if you'd like to join him in helping support the podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. So on to today's uh, first topic, uh, 11 minutes of really bad hockey. What are your guys' thoughts on it? That was the second worst game that tech played this season effort wise. And it was just really unfortunate. And the whole um, time leading up to this podcast, the only thing I could think about was that even though I don't, I think by every metric, this has been a very successful season for the Huskies. It's just the way that things played out to not get to that next step. were about as heartbreaking as they could be <laughs> like losing McNaughton on the last day of the regular season to Minnesota State in the fashion we did well, to get yeah. knocked out of the playoffs on home ice, getting absolutely dummied by Northern and looked like we never even belonged in the game. Like, it's just I it's frustrating. That, you know I what I mean? I don't like, think it didn't look like we didn't belong. Well, for those 11 minutes, and maybe I'm projecting those 11 minutes on the rest of the game. But... <laughs> I, well, I would say it reminds me me really really similar of another game we played this year in which uh, we upset BU it's the exact same way the BU game started right get three goals up on them and you know kind of get bodied by BU for the rest of the game but we held out right mm -hmm. that's what Northern did to us yeah and you, it's the, the season's not a complete loss I mean we'll always have the desert hockey classic championship to fall back on Right, that's true, and we're, <laughs> and I really don't know what else to say about the like, you know, I really, I, I really am projecting those eleven minutes on the rest of the game a little too hard because there was like, <laughs> it was a much better second. The third looked like they were gonna finally much break better. Somehow, we... But to the credit of Halas, he was just 
lights out the whole evening yeah. and just no mistakes, right. which was just frustrating to see when the guys were finally catching some life and getting back into it. So full credit to them. We there. outshot them. We outshot them two to one in the second and outshot them three to one in the third. I mean, yeah, they, they did everything they could to come back, but instead of being on the Blake Piedela side of the goalie situation, we were on the Hawass side of the situation. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we ate some of our own Friday night medicine on Saturday night. <laughs> mm-hmm. as, as frustrating as it is, you know, I don't, sure did. I honestly don't think they played too bad of a game outside of the, the start, you know, of that 10 minutes. There were chances. There was lots of swearing at the TV at our house. We were, uh, we were down at EAA for a beers tasting and event, so we didn't didn't record it. Warned everybody on text messages with my brother and I that we're going to watch it when we get home. We started watching the game at 11 p.m. and it was uh, not exactly the best thing to watch into the wee hours of the morning <laughs> after after an event of uh, that type. <laughs> so it was frustrating for sure. There's no doubt. My only well, one is that. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Nathan. I was just going to say one. Yeah. It, it it sucks how it turned out, obviously. But, you know, there's a couple silver linings, right? Like, number one, it's really nice to be 100% in the NCAA tournament and not have to worry about anything like that this next week. Yep. Uh, number two, there is, a, there is a slight chance that if Northern wins this weekend, the CCHA gets three teams in the tournament, which would be really cool. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, who do we who bounces if Northern gets in? Is it do you know what league would lose a, a bit at this point? Kind of looking at it. it it's likely either uh, Merrimack or Alaska, depending on how Merrimack does in um, their we tournament. We don't want to lose Alaska. That'd be cool. I know, but yeah, yeah I, I, know. I this and I understand what you're saying, and it's really great for the league. But oh, as an individual, if I have to pick Northern or Alaska <laughs> in the tournament. I'll tell you where my well, chips are down every day of the week, and it's that's true. It's uh, it's uh, I, it's, it's on it's on the polar bear in space. I'll tell you that much. Honestly, I'll <laughs> right, tell you. Yeah. I'll the tell you what I really want. Is my option too. <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd really I'd really like to see it somehow work out so we get Northern Minnesota in the first round, which is definitely a possibility if if Michigan upsets Minnesota. Oh man, now I have to cheer for the nuke in another game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's also some other like like fun stuff like you could potentially get if Michigan beats Minnesota, then Minnesota's not number one anymore, and Minnesota goes to Fargo to play UND because they're not protected as the number one. I still don't love that scenario, Dustin. Uh, (laughs) Nothing you're telling me makes me feel good. I like (laughs) I just like the chaos factor of it. That's fair. I I I, you know once once text out, then I start cheering for for chaos too. You like if and, I, and that's all sports. If you took a look at my basketball bracket, if what I predicted comes true, this is probably going to be the worst attended Final Four in history. But... I honestly just want to see the Minnesota fans' reaction when they have to go <laughs> to North Dakota to North Dakota when they've been the best team all, con- all in the country all all year. The collective <laughs> tears of the state of Minnesota would probably be enough for some kind of <laughs> ecological disaster in the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> just a wave of salt riding its way down the Mississippi <laughs> <laughs> as they go to North Dakota. Yeah, that would uh I would appreciate that. 
<laughs> I, I, I can appreciate there's a lot of fun stuff at the edge right now with the you know the North Dakota maybe making it maybe not making it they you know, them hosting in Minnesota would be great Alaska just on the edge and yep. well Alaska's honest. got a pretty good chance to get in they're 70 79% chance that they're in so I mean, yeah they're what happens pretty good. if uh what happens if you flip just our loss last night how bad did us losing impact them <laughs> You know how how bad was that to them? I can't go back and do that with easily. Oh yeah, because okay. they have to go back and flip all those other matchups, right? Yeah, and now that now that they have it, now that it's locked, it's tough to do. Yeah, that's everything's locked in the UR of the committee now. Yeah, yep. That's I'm curious how how bad did we lo- did us losing knock them down, right? Because we've we've got a couple of wins on. It's interesting. I mean, we lose to Northern, we we go up in the pairwise because. Um, well, we weren't the biggest ones to blow yeah. uh, a flipped Ooh, a flipped lineup. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, that was t- that was tough for Western. That was a bad sweep. Yeah. Oof. That was two games, wasn't it? That was a two yeah. game series. Two, two games. Two game series. Two yeah, it didn't even didn't even go to three. At yeah, at loss, and so I mean, as tough as our loss was, at least it didn't happen twice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that frustrates me in the change of the CCHA. Even though it's the way every other conference did it, I really liked semis being a three-game series because that way we ensure the best team is moving on. But I also understand it from the perspective of trying to be more in line with the rest of the NCAA and not trying to burn the teams out too bad before the tournament. But it's especially after a game like that, I, I don't feel like Northern had another game like that in them. It's tough to say because they well could have, and hockey's the game where the, the best team doesn't on paper does not always win. But mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was frustrated about. I was missing when this could have been a when when the Huskies could have done the gentleman sweep, like back when that was a possibility. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do kind of like the idea of uh, Blake getting an extra week of rest after he's been ridden so hard the second half of this season, uh, going mm-hmm. into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, well, that uh, that might be good. I'm just hoping we don't see our we have a week off. We forget how to play hockey. Uh, start that we have had a couple times this year. You know, right. We have we have good Blake Friday nights, and then we have bad that team Friday nights. That didn't happen. That long. didn't happen the last time though. They went to Mankato and won after a bye last time. Yep. Yep. So hopefully that that's huge man. That's uh, that's we not. Could argue they should have won the second time too, but we'll leave mm-hmm. that be. Well, we have argued that for like an entire yeah. two podcasts. So. Yeah, we're just gonna move right on past that one. All right, I'm just I just had to slide it in there once more. But so, I mean, besides that, I mean, from the game, any other comments on it? I mean, it seemed like uh, the McGinnis was uh, absurdly loud from just listening. Uh, interesting to have here yeah. go cats go on several occasions and their band actually playing, but I do. As much as I dislike having Northern's band in there in the MAC, it uh, it's not a bad thing, I don't think, to let the opposing team in these games not for the come in and, and finals. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, it's I, I think, think it created good. an incredible. I think it's an incredible thing, but uh, yeah, I, I think my feeling as a fan is that it, it created an incredible atmosphere, and I hope the way that it happens keeps going. But it's just oh, it's so frustrating that Northern had to be the team to. To, to win and to do it because after so after so many of our like visceral like fun moments coming on the road like when we when we rewarded all the way to the to the 2018 championship 
and we were able to like culminate it at Northern. That was like really, and I was really looking forward to getting another kind of moment like that. Like it, like I don't think anything would truly like live up to the uh, 2017 WCHA championship over Bowling Green, unless that happened at the Mac against Northern. But I was kind of hoping for another one of, of those moments where we could do it in front of our own fans, you know? Yeah, I think the one that tops it, well, I guess there's maybe a couple that top it, but one that would really top it would be winning the McNaughton on home ice the last weekend of the year, if you could somehow do that one of these upcoming years. Yep. That's, yeah, that'd be another fun storm the ice moment. Yeah, and then, of course, the big one, but we'll see. That oh, can yeah. still happen this year. Yeah, hey, that's not uh, – we're not <laughs> done yet. <laughs> There's no doubt about that, like you said. It's a hundred percent through. It was nice to see Russell back out on the ice, you know, for the first time in quite some time. I think it uh, was, and I guess that also brings me to another uh, point that I I just want to put out there that Chris Leip has been an incredible player for the Huskies for a very like his whole career, but he has just really not seemed right since coming back from injury. And in that game, he had two mistakes in a championship game that to me were unforgivable. The first one was the one where he just, he it was just a kind of a boneheaded turnover that led to the first goal. And the second one was the penalty that gave Northern the penalty shot. Thank goodness Blake stopped it, but it was just a momentum shift that I didn't like. And I don't, it's, it's a tough situation for me to be in as a fan because I, I like him. I like him as a player, but the way he's been playing right now, and now that it's clutch time, now that we're going to the tournament, I don't know how you view that because he's put in the time. He's he's earned every bit of his keep, but by the same degree, he has not been the player we need him to be in those key moments. I don't think it's a bad penalty to take once he's turned, though. I mean, it, it he the guy's passed him. It's pretty clear, and it's who was it? Uh, I'm trying to think who actually was coming in. It's one of their top line fast guys, right? I can't remember who it actually was. It was a. Was it actually Gantus or one of those guys? I don't remember who came in on it. No, it was Demay, I believe. Demay took the shot, I think. But uh, he's, he clearly gets around him with the speed, and you got to do something. You can't just let him take the shot. That's the um, other thing, though, is that if you get burned like that in the first place in a game like that, well, I mean, you're yeah, going to you're that's, occasionally that's going like if if, yeah. uh, if people don't score, then like like Jamie says, if people don't score goals, then no one wants to play hockey. I get it, but <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't I don't I don't like the role he's played or how he is reacted to being in some key moments. And well, I think the biggest you know, thing very that easy frustrated for me. To say me. Is the, Guys, guys sit on the yeah. sidelines. It sucks at hockey, but still. <laughs> the biggest thing that frustrated me was the amount of breakaways and stretch passes they had. There were three or four of them uh, that they had during the game that were just wide open breakaways. I, mean, yep. I yelled bad words at my TV several occasions <laughs> watching it because I'm it kept surprised happening. you were. I'm surprised you're able to get words out of your mouth because I was just standing up the whole time with my hands <laughs> on my head, like pacing. Uh, I, was, yeah, was... I just, I had nothing to say about how I felt at that time. It was just, it, it felt like to like with all the hype we had this season from going to the team with no expectations to just starting to blow up to like being a favorite to being to people saying like, Hey, I think the Huskies are the best team in the conference. It's not the Mavericks. They lucked out on that one. I think they're the team to beat here to come into that game and just 
be that flat in the first 11 minutes and not be able to recover from it was just really frustrating, you know? Yeah, I, I do think, too, that I don't think Halas had a hell of a game. I don't think. Oh, no. All credit to him. Absolutely. Giving him enough credit. He had some fantastic saves. And there were a couple of times there where I honestly have no idea how the puck didn't manage to go in. I mean, there are several spots there where there was a hell of a scrum in front of the net. Things were going crazy and we just couldn't just couldn't get it in there. So it was frustrating. It was interesting to see uh, a goalie interference call them what I think was a definitely he was drove into the net situation. I I don't know if I call that honestly on on Funk for that. I agree. He's got his skates uh, about as far into the hockey stop position as you possibly can, with a defender riding on him as he goes into as he goes into Piedalus. So I'd have to look at that one a little closer again. But I'm not sure. Uh, I I'm not sure I call goaltender interference on that one if I'm the ref. So. I agree with you. I think that's the way I would have called it as well. I don't think I would have given him that penalty, but by the same token, the way those have been called the past couple of weeks, I will take it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that too is that it led to the interesting conversation between the refs of where do we drop the puck? (laughs) Yeah, because technically the Huskies are on the power play, but they also took a penalty and they had the penalty shot. shot. So it's like, it was a I'm whole who's guessing, on first routine with that. Yeah, I'm guessing. I didn't read the rule book to check, but I'm guessing whatever the first infraction is is what determines where the the it gets dropped. Right? I don't know the I don't know that for certain though. But it ended up being an offensive zone faceoff for the Wildcats. So who knows? I don't know. That's a that's one of those weird little you know follow the flow chart all the way down type of things. So all right, I do think that's enough on a game we all want to forget though. Unless you got anything else, Essie. Nope, let's kick it in the can. Oh no, this is a, this is a Dustin question. I can't tell. I can't talk to Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about pairwise? Let's talk about pairwise. We went All up. Right. We lost yeah. and went up. Why the hell did that happen, Dustin? <laughs> um, because Western lost worse. <laughs> yeah, and they lost worse and twice. And what? Yeah, you know, to a worse team. Um, but yeah, Tech is still sitting at ten in the pairwise. Um. But the key thing is, if you look at the probability matrix on CHN, uh, we're now 100% in. There's not a single scenario uh, that can happen this next weekend that drops tech low enough in the pairwise that we will not be in the NCAA tournament. So um, we're in. Unfortunately, you can't book tickets yet because who knows where we're going to go. We can uh, I already try to... to. I got a flight to Boston. <laughs> Tim and I got our flights to Boston already. Yeah, we can narrow it down a little bit, maybe, but you know, none of them are sure things. Um, so right now, Tech is ten. If you look at the probability matrix, Tech's going to be ten, eleven, or twelve, with a really slight chance at being thirteen. Um, it, ten, eleven, or twelve. I mean, it's a we're we're going to be a three seed. And I think are most likely, you know, candidates for who we're going to play based on, you know, that information. Harvard, St. Cloud are one and two with a chance that it'd be Penn State. Um, There's also a slight chance of BU and and some other things. But I think you can be pretty sure it's going to be one of the three of Harvard, St. Cloud and Penn State. Give me Harvard. I I like our team. I like the way our team would look against Harvard. Yeah. I agree with that. Being um, able to stick it to an Ivy League school to get over our hump would be pretty fun too. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, also, we've proven we can do it against BU, but not very comfortably. So that kind of scares me a little bit, especially in a tournament. Um, I'd be interested to see how we'd match up against Penn State. We've never played them. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the way the Big Ten is shaping up this year, it would be cool to get a chance to play them. And if we beat them, I think that gives quite a bit of legitimacy to the CCHA. That would be a fun one as well. Yeah, so so the actual highest percentage likelihood is Harvard. Yeah, if you look at the probability matrix and Saint yeah, I like that. second, I like that. I like that. But yep. I, uh, I, I simultaneously do and do not want anything to do with Saint Cloud because I know. <laughs> yeah, you. I don't think I need to elaborate on that one. But I, yeah. I, 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 part of me wants them to be the team that they beat, and they're like, all right, we're finally over that hump. Like in two different ways, like they slayed the giant in like two different ways by beating St. Cloud and getting past them. But at the same time, if we can avoid them, I kind of want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, so so you know some other things to consider, um, you know, specifically locations. Um, I've done a bunch of looking at this, and uh, I think just personally, based on how I feel, the bracketology would work out. The two regionals that are the highest likelihood we end up in are Allentown and Bridgeport. I really don't want to go to Allentown. I really want Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Or you think uh, they wouldn't send Harvard to the to Manchester? Is that closer? It's not really about the same, I suppose. You know the reason if I don't end up swapping. The reason I don't say Manchester is because I think uh, if you look at Boston University, they are. 45% to be the five and 17% to be the four. Oh, sure. So that Boston school will get the choice first. That makes and sense. At, and at the five, four, I think BU ends up in, in Manchester first. Yep. No, I gotcha. I haven't looked uh, enough yep. to, to care. It, I usually let you and Tim be the uh, pairwise guys. And we just ask the dumb questions for mm-hmm. the answer. <laughs> so, I mean, it's definitely poss- possible if Harvard, Harvard and BU flips it, that does happen, but then Harvard's not going to match up against tech. Right. Sure. Gotcha. Um, and you know, Minnesota's going to Fargo, barring barring one thing happening, and that is if North Dakota wins. And so it's a combination of North Dakota wins, Quinnipiac wins their tournament, and Michigan beats Minnesota, then you got Minnesota as the number two seed overall playing North Dakota in North Dakota with, uh-huh. Quinnipi- with Quinnipiac <laughs> playing the Atlantic hockey team then. I mean, you don't think the Atlantic hockey teams are going to be able to uh, pass uh, North Dakota in the pairwise this weekend with their win against each other? No, I don't think so. <laughs> what are they, 44, 45, 43, mm-hmm. something like that? It's I think it's so, going to be one of the lowest pairwise ranked teams to to make it to the tournament in a very I'm long sure, time. Right? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, I don't do know how low, but digging to find that. But the forties is not exactly high. They went about as far from uh, shock in that conference as possible in their tournament. I think there was one year, one year towards the end of the CHA that Huntsville made it when they were like the last, the worst team in the in the CHA, and it was like a four team tournament. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I just I just think the most likely chance that Tech has is that they're going to be in a region with the two and three seed overall. And based on how that's working out, I think the two and three seed overall are going to end up in even either Bridgeport or Allentown. 
Well, I'm hoping for Bridgeport. I want to do the the fun hockey weekend instead of the just one set of hockey. Do that big old road tripping all over the place. So, and don't, I wouldn't have don't to don't anybody my... go buy any flights based on my recommendations <laughs> and then blame me for it though because it's yeah, far Tim, from, far from a sure thing. Tim and I have our flights booked is based on mileage and being able to cancel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not booked because we know anything more. It's just that covers fifty percent. <laughs> And the mileage flights are booked. <laughs> yep. The the other yeah, thing to mention, both. yeah. So I just the other thing to mention, uh, Bridgeport and Allentown are both uh, Friday Sunday brackets. Yeah, that's what that's what's unfortunate about that one. Mm-hmm. So that's you can do the double stuff. with Manchester and Bridgeport, but you can't do the double with Allentown and Bridgeport. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, well, I think. My my biggest hope, my biggest hope, uh, tournament wise, is with what's left field wise, is is seeing Alaska make it as well. I think that's a would be fantastic to see them making it in. Mm-hmm. I agree, first. huge deal with everything yeah. that uh, both Alaska schools have gone through, and I, it's it's really cool to see Alaska be able to do that, especially being as far away from they are, the, the hell travel they have to go through all season, everything they've had to do to just fight to be a program, especially after conference reshuffling, is just incredible. be really cool to yep, see. Yep, have the NCAA it. have to send a charter up to Fairbanks would be would be pretty swell. <laughs> I'd love so, that, yeah. Get them, get them mm-hmm. in. So, uh, Anything else on the pairwise combo, or we've got a couple more minutes left here before we hit uh, our time. So, yeah. So I think that's it for the pairwise for now. I mean, it's good news, right? When we're, when yeah, we're yeah, trying to yeah, figure out which sure. region we're going to at this point in the year. That's, that's good. Uh, news. If you would, uh, yeah. Being... If you would have told me, you know, the weird chances of things, like <laughs> we being the ones with the 100 instead of the 100.0, like Western still has in the predictor, <laughs> right. I would have thought with how bad Western spanked us, uh, we'd be the ones with that zero hanging off the end in chances, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently you can't get swept by uh, 36 in the pairwise and no, have a good time 30, at the end. They're of the 36 year. now <laughs> after sweeping Western. I think there's probably around 40, <laughs> right. 42. Yeah, and that. I think that's another fun thing to talk <laughs> yeah. about is that with the Atlantic hockey tournament, we're now seeing 44 and 45 in the pairwise duke it out yep. for an auto bid. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I, I mean, as much as I want to see the North Dakota uh, Minnesota matchup, oh, another Holy Cross Minnesota, just for the pure dredging up of the bad memories for the Minnesota fans, would also be appreciated too. So, <laughs> all right, well that'll that'll do it uh, for this week's podcast. Let's do the thank you notes and a brief note from our sponsors, and we'll be back with like a little bit of extra content that we saved for you guys uh, from Don Lucia a couple of weeks ago. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. 
They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at LivoniaTech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A-Tech.net. All right. So to, to, to get right into the nitty gritty of, of last weekend, um, we kind of wanted to start off and ask you what your thoughts are on Alaska and their ability to get a uh, an at-large bid in the in the tournament, maybe. Well, I mean, they're in good a good spot right now. I mean, it's a it's a remarkable story in many ways that um, they're they're without a conference. They shut down the year during the COVID year. Did not play. There was a lot of talk they were going to drop hockey, with budget cuts cutbacks within the state, um, and to and to be in the position that they're in, uh, I, I just Eric Largen has done a terrific job not only recruiting but maintaining the players that they do have. And I did get a chance to see him play a game actually. The weekend I went up to watch Tech play on Friday, and then I went over to watch uh, Northern on Saturday, and they played Alaska. And Alaska had won the night before, and Northern was lucky to get through that Saturday night game with a win um, in that at second night. So, you know, we do supply officials up to both Alaska schools. It's probably good for the league, our league, and it's good for the Alaska schools to as they schedule non-conference games that they know that they have um, officials from one of the major conferences for teams that go up. So they're in a good spot, but they have to win. Uh, if they were to lose one of the last two games, I, I don't think they'd have a shot to get in, uh, but they went and swept Arizona State at Arizona State, and now they have two home games coming up, I believe, with Lindenwood. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it's – I think it's this weekend, and if they win those is, two yeah. – if they win those two, now they're in a, they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think playoff status has them as kind of a coin flip right now. Mm-hmm. And and if they win out, I think they're up to about two thirds chance to get in. And of of course, that all comes down, I think, to how crazy the conference tournaments end up and who gets in and and who doesn't. You know, if Minnesota State or Tech wins, their chances go up, and if not, they go down and kind of. Just like that. But I guess we should get into why everybody's probably going to listen to this show this week now, after that that nice question about your former employer. I just want to say something about officiating first. Two years ago on this podcast, it was every week we talked about how bad officiating was. And I don't think this year we have had a single podcast where officiating was brought up as an issue until today. I think that is a huge credit to the league with the improvement of the officiating over the last couple of years. I agree. Cause I definitely feel like as a, as a conference, the, the CCHA has taken a lot of initiative to improve upon what we felt the, the, the new CC or WCHA was doing and weed out some of the, the officials that, weren't up to snuff and and get to the point where yes mistakes are made and calls are missed but i never feel like uh officials are in the old in the in the new wcha after reshuffling it felt like there were way more moments where it felt like the ref was turning it into what you would say in baseball as an ump show where it was about the ref. And I've never felt that once in the last two seasons. 
and, and, I, and I'm going to say this about Kevin. Kevin is very passionate. And what I think we're, and he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. We, we want to strive and continue to get better with our officiating and our, and our group of officials. Um, but he watches every game from start to finish. Every game a CCHA is, is roughing in. Um, and there's video clips. There's emails every week. I'm, I, I see them. Uh, I, I, the, the video clips that are, that are shared. Um, and, and, and I know that wasn't happening before as you continue to teach. Um, every year we try to bring in some new officials. When our season ends, he's watching USHL games. He's working with USHL to try to, to increase our pool. We had that a conversation today about that. Um, you know, how many guys you think will be back? He'll be sending out, you know, do we need to call a little bit, a few guys? And, you know, that that's always under consideration, try to get new ones. But I'm going to – I want you guys and, and the fans to understand one thing, um, too. Since I've been on this group – with the supervisors and hey, I was at times as critical as officiating as anybody when I was coaching. One of the things I've come away with is the respect that I have for these group of supervisors because of how much they care, how much time they put in, what it means to them. And, and when I travel and I'm at, at the hotel sometimes with our officials, I get up for breakfast and I see our officials down there with their computer watching the game because they care and they want to get better, which which is a good sign. It's just like, you know, after a game on Friday night, Joe's breaking down the video and showing his guys Saturday morning getting prepping for the game that night. The same thing is happening and what we're trying to do. And the other thing that really struck with me on one of the calls, there's a real concern nationally about having enough officials because people aren't getting into it because it, it's it's a it's a difficult. Um, not a lot of gratitude. You don't get many pats in the back. It's a little fraternity, just like you guys have your little fraternity with you do with your podcast or coaches do officials. It's, it's a passion. And they told me uh, if a, a linesman got hurt at an NHL game and they had to call people up, the domino, it was on the East coast affected a peewee game. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Pulling guys up, pulling guys up. Yeah, that, that injury at the NHL level literally affected a peewee game to reassign a sign somebody. So it's a concern, and it, it's easy to beat up officials. But I hope people understand that for the most part, they do a pretty good job. And when you watch games when you're neutral, it's a lot easier to appreciate them than when you're vested in in the outcome in your team. And and, and uh, even not neutral this year, like in the last couple of years, it, the improvement is very noticeable. It, it is. We're trying. Yeah. And, and it shows, it definitely shows. So you brought up Augustana, Jonathan Zamatis, our columnist wants to know why is the, the introduction into the CCHA so different for Augustana from St. Thomas with the transition versus yeah. jumping right in? It's a great question. A uh, couple of reasons. One, um, the situation of only having 17, making eight um, for playoffs and everything else, that, that's one. But the most important thing is that they got, they got started so late when they had the okay to um, – when they got forced to move to, out of the MIAC and then they applied to get elevated in their hockey to Division One. It didn't take place till July. 
they didn't feel they could build a schedule. So they had a team in place, even though it was a division three team, um, but they just didn't feel they could get a schedule in place in time um, in one year to play 34 games. That, that, and that, so it's that combination um, that that's the reason why. And you knew long-term that the CCHA would be a good place for them. So it's okay. Correct. correct. So it's investing the one year I knew they were going to struggle. Um, I mean, they only played with three scholarships last year. And, okay. um, that's, and, and that's so news knew, that we didn't know, but we kind yeah. of figured it was a limited number. Yeah. I mean, they, cause they didn't want to, I mean, they hadn't hired their coach. They made a decision. They had a long time coach that they were going to let him coach that last year and then hire somebody in the spring. They could have, you know, done it a year earlier and hired the coach they were going to have, but they made the decision at that point in time that, you know what, uh, it's really not going to make that much difference in the long run. So let's let let this longtime alum uh, have the opportunity to coach this last year with this team, and uh, so getting to eight and knowing that St. Thomas was going to invest in their program, not wanting to go to another league. Quite frankly, that, you know, <laughs> we want to get to eight. When I got hired, it was like the first mandate we got to try to find to get to eight. Well, here we've got the a cornerstone right in our own backyard, and in St. Paul, that's a good geographic fit that has a, a a lot of resources and yeah, maybe for three or four years, they're going to play in a high school rink. But my vision is not for three or four years. My vision is what's going to be happening in 10 years. And then when Augustana, they wanted the same thing, quite frankly. And I said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's better for you if we kind of ease into it. Uh, so um, having the opportunity to play each team one series and it works out great. You know, four teams will go to Augustana this year. The other four will play them at home. The following year, you just flip it. So that gives them 16 games, including eight at home. And now you can go find your other, um, uh, what is it, 18 games that you need to, to build your schedule, which is a lot more doable. Um, and the rink was going to be getting done. Like, no, I think their rink will be finished about mid-year next year. But I think they're putting up the support structures right now on the roof. So it, it, it's, going, it's, it's moving. Uh, it, it's a great fit uh, with our league. The commitment level is there and in, in the footprint in the USHL. And I, I just think that they'll be a very successful program too. And, that, and that's what you want. You want to add teams that are committed to their hockey program and not nickel and diming that they want to compete. I'm not looking for teams that want to just get in the league. I want teams that want to try to compete at the top of the league. Okay. So yeah, I think we're all pretty nervous for how St. Thomas is going to look in the next few years. <laughs> they're going to be good. <laughs> yeah, they, they will. I mean, that's, I mean, they're, they're in a good spot. They're going to have a, a terrific building. Um, and I, I think they'll have their, their, their support. They're building the right size facility and, and, and it, it's great. It's, it's not a difficult trip. I mean, I six hours to the twin cities, that's six and a half. I mean, that's, that's easy and doable. That's all right. I was just, that's why I was sure to get my pot shots in last season while I could on St. Thomas. Cause I knew they were going <laughs> to, they're going to burn us before we know it. They've that new arena just looks fantastic. And I'm it's definitely a scary add to the league, but which is what we could want. add to the league. We want, yeah. we need to get, yeah. get stronger, right? Yeah, that's true. what yep. we want. Mm-hmm. The, the best thing we can do is have the, the kind of parody the NCHC has, but have the, the extra five, six non-conference wins that gets, a half dozen teams in the conversation at this point, not just two. Right. Correct. 
So how do you decide which officials get which games when it comes to playoff time? Well, I think some of it is uh, where you were recently, but you kind of have an idea coming down the end how you might want to do. But again, this was more difficult because we didn't know who's one, who's two. We didn't know who's four, five, six, seven. Um, you know, so you kind of look at, is there any ones maybe you feel it's going to be more heat? When I say heat, a little bit more confrontational, that that could be an issue in, in how you assign, uh, you know, but for the most part, I mean, your your top eight official should be fine to do any of the games. You know, we, we also take aware, is there any, is there a personality conflict with a coach? Um, you know, maybe the, in, in the first round, can we keep them away from each other? I mean, that there's a lot, so there's a lot that goes into it. And then if and if it goes to three, the the coaches have a choice to not have the same refs do game three, right? That is correct. And majority, almost always, they want the same ref. Okay. And the only way we would change them is if both coaches said we want a new official. Okay. So I've been in both, but for the most part, you know, the, I think the coaches and the players are more comfortable with that same official in game three because they they know what's been going on in the uh, in the two games prior you have a and, pretty and good probably, expectation of what's a penalty and what's not after two games yeah yeah, yeah and, and you know that's part of it too is like call good penalties don't swallow the whistle because if you hear somebody say i don't want to decide the game sometimes you can by not making a call that takes yeah. away that causes a scoring chance or takes away one like well we had a, we had a game a few weeks ago i'm not going to mention which game where there was a penalty in overtime the team went on to score and it was a great call because it was a hook. Uh, the defenseman's coming around his own net. He got hooked, lost the, possess- lost the puck, and it was a change of possession. And the referee did not make the call until the- he saw the change of possession. Boom, up went the arm. And it was, a- it was the right call. Because if you don't, they get it and go in and score. And now you're, now you're in a world of hurt. So mm-hmm. call the good ones. Uh, communicate with the coaches. Um you know, keep the temperature down, you know, sometimes if, you know, make sure there's no crap after the whistle. Um, if you have to ding a couple early and take one from each team, make it four and four, just to send a message that we're going to call those, and, you know, and the last thing for me is, you know, when a team's being eliminated, uh, make sure you protect the advancing team. Cause we don't want uh, anybody to be a village idiot and take runs. At <laughs> yeah. We've all seen that, right. You know, right. Yeah. it's, you know, I don't blame the coaches, but the kids get frustrated, and you know, we just we can't have that either. We don't want anybody getting hurt who's advancing. Yeah, well, that that example of calling it on the change of possession is a perfect thing that I think a lot of, and I'm talking to our Discord here, our, our chat room. They look at the rule book as black and white for a lot of things. You're interpreting stuff, and you're making a call when it makes an impact. And if yeah. it doesn't change possession, there, the hook happens. The guy's able to continue on maybe makes a stretch pass to a guy up the ice. And if you blow that dead, you've taken that yeah. opportunity away if you follow yeah. the rule book to the letter of the law. So the yeah, refs or, are I mean, doing their job. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in a three-on-three, three, let's <laughs> a four-on-three power play is more magnified, right? So you, yeah. you want them to be – I'm not saying don't call a penalty. Yeah, you want to continue to call a penalty, but, you know, make it a good one. Don't, yeah. don't, take a, yeah. don't make it a ticky-tack one. Yeah, yep, exactly. All right, now now after our Minnesota goodbye, we, we can actually let you go. <laughs> All right. Are we getting are we getting one, two, or three teams in the NCAA tournament this year? I well, 
I think it's important for, uh, you know, our top couple teams to get through this weekend. And I think they will be in pretty good shape because I, as I say, other teams are going to play each other and get beat. Mm-hmm. Um, Notre Dame did themselves a great favor by the success they had at Michigan this weekend. Yep. So now they're, they're what one game over 500. So if they advance, against Michigan State, which will knock Michigan State out, now they're assured of being uh, 500 or better yep. for the pairwise. So that that was a huge weekend for them. So you you have some of that. The Hockey East, um, you, you never know. Hey, my last year of coaching, I think we were 12th in the pairwise. We didn't get in, you know, because of all by, the different By one, one – we've talked about that one before yeah, oh, that, I mean, that's I, the um that's the umd championship year isn't it correct correct yeah, yeah. by one one thousandth they got in ahead of us and uh, yep. i thought we we're in good shape i knew in the year day beginning the only way we were out <laughs> is if every all five games went yeah. against us. <laughs> and I, I went into mass that five o'clock mass on saturday thinking we were, we were going to win we're going to get in um, and then I came out and I saw something where it's like, oh, there's one scenario we don't get in. And when we didn't, I said, the big guy upstairs telling me it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> you had your run. Yeah. You know what? It's somebody else's turn. It's a subtle message, Scott. Yeah. Well. We fund everything a tech hockey guide from listeners like you. You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron-only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access, or commercial-free listening, there's a level for you. We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcasts to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at FibkeDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Today, before we recorded, when was that? A couple hours ago, right? 5 o'clock maybe they announced that? That, yeah, uh, that that Granado's out as head coach of Wisconsin, and there's been a lot of speculation already with a bunch of wish list posts did, and it and it felt more like wish list than than reality. I know Todd Maluski posted five coaches, including David, uh, Carl, and uh, who else was on that list? Dustin, um, Ohio Ace. State's head coach, who's was that? Steve Rolick, which makes Rolick. sense. 
Yeah, Larson from St. Cloud, Hastings from Mankato. Who was the fifth one? Um, West Western Michigan. Oh yeah, name. Yeah, was it Fishweiler? I forget how to yep. say that one. Yeah, yep. yeah, Fish Fishweiler, whatever, whatever and, his name uh, is. And there's a giant uh, Twitter thread that I'm now stuck in that includes Adam Wooden and Pat, Pat Micheletti and. Uh, Dan Myers talking about how good the Wisconsin job is. And I made some comments about how I'm not sure that the Wisconsin job is that attractive to poach a, an already successful head coach somewhere else. Is it, I mean, is it better than Denver? I say no, no, because I think, I think Denver, Denver will has the money and they'd be willing to pay almost as much as Wisconsin. Wisconsin will outpay them because it's a Big Ten school and they've got more resources. But 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 hockey is the sport at Denver, so they've and, got more resources to focus on hockey. My biggest question right now is with all the resources that they've dumped into football this year, the buyout to the Badger staff which was, I believe, the highest paid staff in college hockey. Um, Wisconsin spent a lot of money on the staff they just fired. Are they ready to throw that much money at a new staff, or are they going to try something else? I still because, think it's just dropped in the bucket yeah. for a program like that. Like It's still nothing compared to what they spend on football. That's true. They but pay I more to a know. quarterbacks coach than the entire coaching. <laughs> oh, I highly doubt that. I don't think. I don't think anybody but, but your head coach point. and your coordinators makes much money in football. But yes, overall, like the entire go uh, Badger hockey staff makes less money than the offensive coordinator. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It, it's not that big a deal. And I'm sure they have a ton of boosters that were more than willing to help pay for that buyout. So it didn't hit the athletic department that hard. The, the big question to me is the Badgers haven't been to a frozen four since the, the one at Ford field, right. In what? 2011. Sounds right. And they lost in the first game. So they haven't, they made the tournament the year of, the COVID year where there was no non-conference games, right? 2010 was the field, just to okay. clarify. Okay. Um, and it just seems like, like, well, you asked Denver, would you, where does St. Cloud rank then? If I was the head coach of St. Cloud and I had an offer to go to Wisconsin, I would consider Wisconsin to be a better job than St. Cloud. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you're right. I think that I think Larson is one of the bigger names that isn't a badger like Rolick that could leave. And and it's the same with Mankato too. Mankato is not as good of a job as Wisconsin. I just think Hastings is wired a little different. Like I don't think he's a guy that is well, and just he's also going to jump been, the money. He's all he also hasn't left yet. Whereas Larson's only been there how leave. long? And Hastings has had opportunities to leave, and he hasn't left. Yeah, he's he's always been the first name mentioned for what five jobs now. Yeah, exactly. First, it was Omaha, and then it was the Gophers, and then it was St. Cloud, right? Like BU, BU last BU, year he was mentioned. BU, last year. Yeah, NBC. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 
I also, I also, the more I think about it, think maybe the, the, if the Western coach wasn't a Western alum, that that's a possibility because I think Matt, you've pointed out that like their rink is nothing special. I don't know what their player facilities are like, but it's not, it's not the same as what you're going to get at Wisconsin. Not that he hasn't done very well at Western. So I like, it's so hard to judge like college hockey is so weird because like the big 10 is a big deal in college sports, but I don't know how much better a deal it is than the NCHC. I really it's don't. bigger. It's bigger only from the standpoint of their ability to just throw money at problems more than the NCHC teams. Yeah. But like, and then I think in our discord, we had a lot of conversations about like, so Wisconsin has the history, but is Wisconsin currently as it stands really a better job than Ohio state? No, not right now. It's not a better job than Ohio state. And it's not a better job than Penn state. Yeah. Especially since right now, I feel like it's a good time. If you're an Ohio state fan, like you're finally having, seeing some reasonable success to your program that doesn't come around very often for them. Which is, but you know, just kind of interesting by virtue of being a Big Ten institution, and also they're mm-hmm. uh, getting a facility much more appropriate for uh, the kind of attendance their hockey team draws. So that's it's, another. It's ironic that they're getting a smaller facility just around the time where you know they might be getting good enough to actually start to fill the building that they're in. They might. I be, think that's a bit that's... of a stretch, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And there's always <laughs> right. the possibility that the men's team would go back to the basketball uh, stadium. If they were consistently selling out the smaller one and just use the smaller one for women or Mm -hmm. or do something weird where they're playing at the basketball one when they host Michigan or whatever, and they can get 15,000 people in there or whatever. But right. I I, Rolick does seem like the name because of his connection to the Badgers, but he got overlooked last time. Right. He was there and had been there for a while. But granted, I think most of his success has come since Granado started at wisconsin so it's hard to say i don't think anybody expected granado to work out the way he did when rolick because rolick was in there in the name the hats in the name of the hats for the last time when granado got hired right yep but i think i think part of it too is that is that same thing that you see with like um like like how much success Carl has had as a 30 something head coach and some of these other young guys where I just think uh, like Granado came from the NHL. He came from a different game than really what college is. And I think he really struggled with how you need to play to be successful at college, especially when you have to like, like your skill can only get you so far in college because you run into teams like Bemidji state and, and Michigan tech that, just their job is to shut you down and take advantage of your mistakes. And if you're making too many mistakes, cause you're just trying to play a high powered offense, you're not going to do that well overall. And I think Wisconsin really struggled with that. And, and also the other thing is, is as much as Wisconsin's over recruited, they haven't done a good job of actually churning enough of those over recruits into the right recruits that did go to school. Like, and you can't, I, I don't know. I, Wisconsin's, always had like Wisconsin had its obvious heyday way back in the day. And then Mike Eves did a really good job of 
like having this cyclical success where he'd have a really good two years because he had like 15 juniors and seniors and then he'd cycle down and have a couple bad years and but I feel like that's part of the like as successful as Wisconsin has been part of their problem because they're Wisconsin and they don't have quite as natural a backyard recruiting is that they don't they can't reload like some other teams have been able to and Wisconsin's if Mankato, if Mankato can reload, Wisconsin can reload. Yes, but Mankato's reloading in the formula. CCHA, not yeah. in the Big Ten. That's a They're, that's a big difference. Mankato's reloading at a national level. They've been how many years? They've been top ten in the country. It's not just CCHA. Yeah, but but a lot of that comes from being really good in a very small set of games, or having a decent amount of success in those, and then dominating our conference. I, I still think that they would be a top 10 team in the country if they played in the NCHC the last 10 years. I think they would have had more years where they weren't like that, that they were fifth or sixth in the NCHC. Fifth or sixth in the NCHC could easily be 10th in the country. It could be, but it, this year it's 20th something. So like, that's well, what I mean. Like this is their first down year in seven. <laughs> I, I know, but what, like I'm saying, they don't, Wisconsin's really struggled and I'm not saying that they're they would suddenly be winning the CCHA because I don't think they'd be doing that honestly because I just don't think they play a style that fits that um I, but... I think the biggest issue with Wisconsin is lately it's just been poor coaching they they've had talent it's not recruiting they've had talent in there look at the the players that have gone through Wisconsin in these years that they've been bad yeah they've had they, they've had a ton of talent. Yeah, it's it's just the coaching staff has not gotten the best out of the talent they have. Yeah, it's hard to deny that. And I, but I, but I think that kind of goes back to the point of, like, you had three older guys that I think lose that connection. That like part of the reason we've said that we think Michigan Tech has been so successful this year and and recently is that they've gotten way younger in their assistance and Joe has kind of let that taken a more hands-off approach. Like he's got his systems, but he's letting his assistants get the players to where Joe wants them to be versus Joe's heavy handed approach that maybe worked 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yep, think that I makes a huge difference. And, the, and I know you made the joke, Dustin, I don't think it'd be a horrible idea for Wisconsin to go hire Jordy Murray and see what the hell happens. I really oh. don't think that would be a bad thing at all. I don't think it would be a bad idea like, either. I think he could be the David Carl of Wisconsin. I think he could do that. They His both have red hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his connections. I mean, we've seen how much that's helped us already. Now imagine his connections with the backing of you're going to Wisconsin with that. Yeah. With those connections. I, 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 I don't want him I to leave. That would, not, but... that would not be a. I, I really don't think that would be a bad hire for Wisconsin. I, I think that Wisconsin would get absolutely destroyed in social media by their own fans if they did it. Yeah. But so, what? But whatever. I mean, yeah, social media people shut up once you have the success, though, and Jordy could do right. it. But if they could pull, if they could pull Brett Larson away, that's a home run too. Like I think he could be very successful at Wisconsin. Agreed. What? But... How about this name? Ben Barr. Yeah. He was a hot name not that many years ago, and now he's a head coach at Maine. He took over a team that won three games. Last year he won seven. This year he's won 15. He's he's two years in, has a very, already has an upward trajectory. 
Maine has been much better this year than they have been in the recent past. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I don't. I think that's the guy that could be an under the radar candidate. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what what Todd has to say when he gets a chance to if he finds anything out about where that coaching search is going because it'll be really like I talked to him a little bit offline and his big thing was this is going to be a really big uh, reformation on Wisconsin's seriousness about hockey and what the college hockey community thinks of this job is whose names are actually in the hat because if it's not Brett Larson and it's not the the coach at Western and it's not some of the and or or even Rolex saying no to leaving Ohio State like that's that's a big thing about saying where Wisconsin's at that no matter how much money they want to throw at it they're not going to get who they want and my big point on Twitter was I part of me feels like this is this is a job where a lot of these coaches are going to shy away cuz they're having good success where they are why take a chance on on failing there when you have something decent going where you are and it's going to fall to to some of these assistants these top assistants like i i wouldn't be surprised like if if if, you, if my short list of top assistants is Todd Kanat out of Mankato which who mm-hmm. we said if Hastings ever did leave you said would instantly just get upgraded to be head coach and i think that would be a great move for Mankato if Hastings I don't ever think left for a, a job beat. no cuz he's i mean he's already what he won assistant coach of the year this year which is sort of like a career achievement award to some extent but he it's well deserving and every yep. time i've had a chance to talk to him i know i talked to him a couple different times at the NAHL showcase up up in Blaine especially after the whole coaching search went down just to pick his brain about how that process went and some of that stuff that that, that was fun and then the other name that i always circle back to um, because I learned so much about him from the tech search is is Jason Herger, who's now at Western. He's had so much success as an assistant at uh, Minnesota State under uh, why, why, Sandalin. And then that's, goes that's to Western. Duluth. Duluth. What's that? No, you said he, Minnesota State. Oh, did I? Minnesota Duluth, sorry. Yep. Um, under Sandalin and then uh, took a year or two off kind of after he didn't get the tech job. And then uh, came back, and now he's at Western, and and they've been having a ton of success since he's been there too. So it 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 seems like he's got the pedigree, much like Cannot, where he deserves a chance to be a head coach somewhere. The problem, like we've said, is I really think Wisconsin's look going into this expecting to get interest from these head coaches, and I'm just not sure that's going to materialize, and then it's going to be well kind of a bloodbath publicly of of what's going to happen there, because they're falling to assistance. Not that they can't be successful, but there is one big name head coach that currently does not have a job that would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And that certainly would be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, not saying it wouldn't, but unless no. you're talking about like Mike Babcock, Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin is not known for um, necessarily make always making the right decisions. I mean, I don't know if they've been that bad when it comes to um, that stuff. Like I don't. I, th- I just think overall. I mean, every yeah. school has has made bad decisions on coaching. Yeah. But so pit, separating out Wisconsin isn't necessarily fair. But I I would not well, put it past them to make a call to Mister Pearson. 
and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Mir- Mir- I it's really interesting to think about what what Pearson's thinking right now because it because like what they said I think on Twitter somebody said that he stopped by one of the games this weekend and and did a little interview on the Michigan radio uh broadcast and it was like like it, like from those tweets he gave out earlier this year Matt it kind of gave the impression that 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 Pearson's just hanging around till somebody else is in charge and decides that whatever happened wasn't a big enough deal and he can have his job back. That's really how it seems to me from the people that I talk to in Michigan media as well. Like it seems like he doesn't really have a firm grasp on why he was let go. Thinks that there's going to be something that comes out and somehow makes all of this go away, or there's going to be some kind of administration shift that brings him back. But he really just seems to be sitting around being like, all right, I'm the coach on standby now, I guess. <laughs> Like it's just a, it's just been very odd behavior from uh, what I understand. Yeah. It's, it's like borderline, like delusional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Um, but you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what direction Wisconsin goes. Cause as much as you, like I, like I said, I think they'll just really struggle to pull, a successful coach away from their current job. Uh, you know, I know the other name we brought up was, uh, was Lang, right? Eric Lang. Yeah. Eric Lang at, at AIC, which would be an interesting name to, to make that jump. But I mean, um, he turned, he, he, he made a successful program out of the worst hockey program in the country, like <laughs> ever. Yeah. And he turned them into a team that went to the NCAAs three years in a row. Something like that. I mean, that's a hell of a coaching job to take that team and bring them to the to to do that with that team, and including upsetting the number one overall seed. Yeah. What are your thoughts, okay. Tim? Um, I just want to jump in um, about Wisconsin. Most teams, most schools, feel safer with uh, an alum because that appeals to the boosters, and that's an important revenue stream. Anytime they want to raise money for some special project, rather than dip into the athletic department, go to the boosters. And if they've Mm -hmm. got a guy who they remember from some good old days, and that's why the Granado hire was probably uh, rubber stamped on the way in, bringing in NHL guys, because he appeals to the boosters. So your first choice, your default choice is going to be an alum. So taking um, uh, an established coach from somewhere else, as soon as he starts losing, you're going to get hate calls to the athletic director from the boosters. Um, getting a young guy, I love the suggestion of, of Jordy, who's got this reputation of being, you know, a young genius and uh, and is doing a wonderful job. So I think their move is if they don't get an alum, rather than get an expensive established coach, get some young guy because, you know, you can finish in seventh and eighth place with, uh, with an unproven guy as well as a proven guy. And if, Rather than paying, you know, seven hundred grand to a staff, you know, go save a couple of bucks and see what happens with a young guy. So I think that might be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. It, who knows? And that's really the thing that'll be interesting to see because it's not like Wisconsin couldn't turn around and if that that young guy's successful, pay him enough to make sure he doesn't go somewhere else, but not but not have to dump it all in right now just to. See, you know, throw a bunch of money at the wall and see what sticks, kind of thing. 
just uh, give it a try with with somebody else that maybe is a little different direction. And I don't think that's a bad idea for Wisconsin either, because like we said, especially now that Michigan State's not terrible, that that whole conference is a meat grinder now. Like it's like I don't know if they're nearly as good as like Cratch and everything says, because I think one of the things that they do a really good job of is is uh, playing way more home games than road games. But the but they win them, so I guess you know it makes some sense. But like, you know, there's a big advantage to that kind of stuff when when you if you get most of your games at home and then win most of them and then play 500 in the Big Ten. Um, but that's a tough league, top to bottom now, and Wisconsin's just kind of stuck at the bottom. But much like, uh, um. Uh, much like the whole situation with the NCHC where we said like, yeah, the, um, you know, somebody's going to end up unhappy in that move. And I would have never predicted that Wisconsin was the one that would be like the biggest loser of reshuffling. I would have never guessed that. Hey, just remember two years ago, they won the regular season out there. I know, but they've, that's but one year the, out of in, in the whole time. Yeah. And it was a COVID year where they didn't have to play anybody non-conference except for Arizona State, who was like their travel buddy or whatever you want to call it. Timmy, one last point on, on coaching and the hires. Um, Todd Cannot, everyone talks about him, and he's a great guy, and people love talking to him. He's so important to the recruiting, right? Um, yeah. The way Ty Eigner was. And Ty Eigner was Bowling Green's best recruiter and keeping them contending. You hire that recruiter who's – personality is usually nice guy it's tough to go from nice guy to tough guy and then who's going to do your recruiting for you right you right. know they minnesota state if they put todd cannot in charge he didn't have todd cannot to recruit for him anymore so that's always mm-hmm. a, a funny that's true way. that is true well joe we saw kind of the same thing with joe i feel like joe had to make that transition from being the nice guy assistant coach to being a head coach. And there were some growing pains the first few years. but Especially in goaltending where he struggled mm-hmm. to make that same connection that he made as an assistant coach with his goalies because it's it's a different thing when you're sharing those things with the head coach. And, and I it's know pretty obvious. That. It's pretty obvious that, you know, he's figured it out. Like he's knocking it out of the park at this point as a head coach. But, it you know, it, it took him a couple of years to get it figured out. Yeah. No, and then like you mentioned, Eigner was that guy at Bowling Green, and now look at Bowling Green. They're like they've done really well recruiting, but it but I'm not sure it's translating as much in results maybe as they want. Like I know they finished well, third, but it really helps when you can get the guys that aren't eligible to actually get to play. <laughs> That's true. I said that uh, I said that to get a reaction out of Matt, and I don't know if he's even listening to me. <laughs> I was reading something, so no, I was not. Okay, yeah, yeah, I had my brain fart there reading your little <laughs> chat message as it popped up on the screen a couple minutes ago. Uh, you just heard our conversation with Tim Rapoli about the situation in Madison after the Badgers fired head coach Granado. I hedged my bets; didn't even use a first name. <laughs> <laughs> One minute remaining in the podcast. All right. That should do it for this uh, timeless episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Uh, Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting at patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. 
Patrons at the white level or above will receive question priority. Patrons at our black level and above receive extra access to the podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the gold level above receive access to the unfiltered YouTube video, which gets my messing up uh, of, of a couple of things here in this one. Uh, and then finally, uh, follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. Uh, you can submit your questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your side of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. If you give us a five-star rating, Dustin will read that review, no matter what it says. So let's get some ratings and see what folks have to say. Uh, once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. Finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episodes. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha vermont 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 boston boston maine maine new hampshire new hampshire western michigan western michigan connecticut connecticut harvard vermont massachusetts 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 Vermont, 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 Boston, Boston, Maine, Maine, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, Western Michigan, Western Michigan, Connecticut, Connecticut, Harvard, Vermont, Massachusetts, 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 Massachusetts,